I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to Clash of the Titles, the podcast that sees two movies with something in common go head-to-head to see which one does it better on this week's episodes. In the red corner, big themes abound in our first film this week, like religion versus freedom of expression, small-town America versus the cosmopolitan elite, tractor versus other similar tractor in some kind of tractor duel. Can those debates be resolved when your movie is 90% montage? We find out, as from 1984, it's Footloose. He's the new kid in town, and the music's on his side. Let's dance! Footloose. While in the blue corner... It's a holiday from hell for poor old Mr. Houseman after he books his family on an all-expenses-paid trip to an exclusive Catskills resort only to find himself tending to a girl who had a botched abortion while his daughter Baby disappears off to get jiggy with some no-good dance instructor. From 1987, it's Dirty Dancing. She thought it would be just another summer vacation. Who's that? Oh, them. They're the dance people. But it turns out to be the time of her life. What's me now? I can't even do the merengue. He teaches her what she can do. So, what connects these two films? And which one does it better? Let's find out. It's Clash of the Titles. Hello, Clash Potters. She's become too willful. I'm Alex Zane. <laughs> I'm Vicky Crompton. I'm Chris Tilly. How does today find you both? It's lovely to have your voices in my ears. I miss you guys. I miss you both too. I really do. Yeah, good. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. Did you uh, did you get my belated birthday present, Christopher? I did. Thank you, Alex. Would you uh, would you care to tell people what I got you for your uh, for your birthday? Because it's kind of special. You got me some Nicolas Cage trousers. <laughs> <laughs> really? What do they look like? 
I mean, it's it's his, it's a big version of his face on my le- on my thighs. They're orange, and then he's got like one eye on one thigh and one eye on the other thigh. Wow! Wow! And I don't know—is his nose where my genitals are? I don't know. It's it's all it's creepy. Where, where do it's I wear these, Alex? <laughs> As I wrote in the card, you wear them for every record when we get back to the studio. I think okay. you're going to look amazing. And what do I pair them with? What top goes with ginger Nicolas Cage trousers? A John Travolta vest. <laughs> okay. Merry Christmas is all I can say. <laughs> A little way off, but get excited now. <laughs> Thank you, though, Alex. I love it. Good. Uh, put it. Put a picture on our on our Twitter at ClashPod. I think people need to see these, please. Sure. Okay. Right. This week's Clash: Footloose versus Dirty Dancing. Uh, these were Chris's choices. Why? Um. Well, I think it's fair to say I'm not a fan of either of these films. But um, there's a couple of scenes in Footloose that I've been very keen to talk about for a long time. So that's why I wanted to do Footloose. And people seem to really like Dirty Dancing. So I thought I'd try and... I do. Exactly. I thought I'd try and find out why today or Thursday's show. (laughs) I can't wait to tell you. There's lots of good reasons. Good. Oh, okay. Because I wasn't very excited about this pod, to be perfectly honest. Sorry to put a downer at the start, but I wasn't looking forward to it. But the fact that you don't really like either of the films we're doing and Victoria, you love Dirty Dancing. Mm -hmm. There's a bit of jeopardy here which excites me so uh, let's let's press on i'll give you my um my two penneth in a moment uh the clue you gave us on last week's show chris was blame it on the boogie correct and then you followed that up on twitter with daddy doesn't know best Mm-mm. Uh, so as always the guesses they, they danced upon our Twitter at ClashBod we were also on Instagram at ClashBod Kirsten Ellen Young went for Footloose versus Flashdance Damien Cunningham Billy Elliot versus Blades of Glory David Barrel Flashdance versus Staying Alive but the correct answers come courtesy of Peter White who was beaten by Gary to the punch uh, he didn't even need a second clue Gary straight after listening to the first episode this week whammy he was in there. Congratulations, Gary. Your prize is a slow dance with whichever one of us you like. Mm-hmm. I'll leave that with you, Gary. Let us know. Uh, the first live show uh, we do is going to be quite special for you. Uh, right. <laughs> oh, sorry, I haven't signed <laughs> off on this. <laughs> yeah, I thought I should ask you guys, and then I thought I won't. So that's why that happened. Um, but I don't. Right. Vicky, Vicky seems keen. Vicky, mm. yeah, of course. Yeah, I know. I can't believe it. I'm up for it. It's fine. Great. So am I. So am I. Uh, probably don't pick Chris, Gary, because it'll be awkward. Uh, right. <laughs> Connections. Uh, so I start. Um, um, dancing, um, yeah. dancing, dancing, <laughs> dancing. How about the uh, the paternalism of the old world resisting the new world using dance to express that? Yeah, do you not know what paternalism means? Sorry, there was yeah, a of silence there. Of course I do. <laughs> no, it's just that's what, exactly what I had written, so I've got to get rid yeah. of that one. Right, yeah, get rid of that. Okay, uh, while you're getting rid of that, what about uh, controversial novels, Slaughterhouse-Five and The Fountainhead? Oh, yes. Mm. Good spot. Yep. Old people playing teenagers. Oh, my God. Yeah, yeah I read <laughs> that um, in Footloose, isn't there a nine-year age difference between Ariel and Ariel's mum? <laughs> Oh yeah, John Lithgow. John Lithgow would have been thirteen when he had Ariel. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Um, A lot of montages touched on that already. There's a lot of montages in in both these films. Um, 
I've got uh, A Tale of Two Kennies. Uh, both films. Oh, I've got that. <laughs> <laughs> both films can uh, can uh, basically their success is based on the work of a Kenny. Uh, Footloose, yeah. I don't think would have been such a success without Kenny Loggins and Footloose. And of course, uh, the choreography in Dirty Dancing is special, and that comes courtesy of our our old friend from the uh, the Hocus Pocus episode, Kenny Ortega. So, um, the tale of two Kennys. Yeah, I called them really the, uh, the unsung heroes of the movies. Um, I, uh, one half of the central couple is badly broken and in need of therapy. Yes. Yes, mm. I see that. Yeah, 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 you can have that. Uh, Sarah Jessica Parker connects both films. Really? Oh. She, she stars in one and she very nearly played Baby in the other. Did she? Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, she even got oh. down to a screen test for, for Dirty oh, Dancing. Oh, she would have been good. She would have been good. She would have been good. She'd have been, she'd been great. She'd have been great. Although Jennifer Grey is kind of a phenomenon in Dirty Dancing. Uh, so so I'm very pleased how that worked out. Any more? No. No. Great. Right. So on Thursday, uh, Victoria will be showing us her moves in Dirty Dancing. But I'm going to start us off by loosening my feet in Footloose. Let me take you on a journey. Walking Attitude and Dance Addict, the villainous Kevin Bacon, arrives in peaceful small-town America from the decadent big city, only to find that his disturbing fetish of dancing is banned here, thanks to the tireless work of church minister and the film's hero, John Lithgow. But the scheming Bacon sees the town's harmony and order as things to be destroyed, so goes about corrupting the innocent children of the townsfolk, eventually duping them into his hedonistic revolution, which sees him in the film's ugly climax elevated to the status of gurning godhead presiding over a horrific orgy of dance, his new disciples oblivious to anything but the rhythm of Kenny Loggins' footloose, played in full for the third time in the film. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, for your consideration, Footloose. That's my reading of the film. It's very good. That's a proper intro, Alex. I like it. I like, mm. I like you making me see the, th- the film through new eyes, through fresh eyes. Yeah. And, it's uh, often well, we get Godhead as well. And points for that. <laughs> uh, if, you're, if you're looking to see this film through new eyes, strap in because this is going to be an interesting hour. Um, your individual histories with this movie uh, then. Um, I know you like Dirty Dancing, Victoria. What are your thoughts on Footloose? Well, I'd only seen it once before in the week. Um, and it's just one of those, I don't really remember. I think it was just on video, someone's house. Um, it just didn't stick with me in the way that Dirty Dancing did. So there you go. Yeah. Um, Chris? Yeah, well, I don't know if you know this, but I was something of a geek as a child. Uh, hey, much, no. <laughs> much like I am now. Shut much up. like I am now. But, Get out. But this film somehow escaped me at the time. I've got no idea how. I mean, I, I was I wasn't really into Kevin Bacon or dancing, so that might have been it. And I think I think the version of this story I was interested in 1984 uh, was The Karate Kid, which I hadn't realised until this week is pretty much the same movie. Um, it's got a lot of the same beats, and it's sort of similar template but so the first time I really thought even thought about this film was when I was working in my first uh magazine job at hot dog and they were all obsessed at hot dog with what they called the dance of rage and I didn't know what they were talking about (laughs) so this was pre-youtube they went and got the dvd put it on for me in the office and said look he's so angry he's dancing in a mill 
and, and I could see I then saw sort of that there was some magic in this film I took home that copy and realized it wasn't the only insane scene in the movie <laughs> and so now it holds a special place in my heart just because there's some weird shit in Footloose <laughs> Yeah, there is. I mean, that scene, that montage, woof, that is the that is the embodiment of the statement this escalated fast. <laughs> I mean, it cuts from him dancing to him swinging on a rope across an empty room, which is a strange Strange moments. Well, there, in a there's film more, of strange moments. Well, there's more good gymnastics in this film than actual good dancing, which is weird yeah, for agree. a dance movie. It's a yeah. very strange concoction. Mm. Uh, how about you, well, Alex? That's, that, that's, 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 not, that's not difficult uh, when the film has no no good dancing. Uh, yeah, anything. This, it's, it's just yeah. I, well, my 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 take on this is I, I've never seen it. Indeed, I've oh. never seen either of the films we are doing this week on the show. That's never amazing. Seen Footloose. It is amazing. I've never seen. Dirty dancing. Um, Is that through choice? Yeah, yeah kind of. I mean, a yeah. bit like you, except that you eventually saw it. I, I have had no interest in a movie that is about dancing. I do not like dancing in the real world. Um, I, I barely like standing up. So, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, the idea of watching a film about dancing did not appeal to me. I imagine you're uh, quite uh, a bad dancer. Would that, would that be fair to say? You, I don't know. He doesn't dance. I, and you will, you will never know because I've never danced. I, the, the most I've ever done is possibly jump up and down to the prodigy at Glastonbury. Uh, You'll cross the dance I mean, floor to get to the bar. That's it. Yeah, oh, I, didn't, I didn't know that about if you. you. If, yeah. if weaving counts as dancing, I weave between people dancing. It's disgusting. Um, You've yeah, literally just offered who... Gary a dance. <laughs> Oh, and believe me, believe me, I if I if I get picked, if I get picked, uh, exciting. Uh, if I get picked, I will put the work in, and I will and that's learn how be your, to slow your down. Your first ever dance in your entire life will be with Gary. <laughs> with Gary, yeah. Pick me, Gary. Pick me. <laughs> you can lead, Gary. Um, yeah. I just, I, I, so, I mean, like, when, you know, when you book tickets for gigs when you were a kid and you're like, oh, let's go and see whatever, I would be the guy who was like, can, can we can we get tickets for the balcony, though, so we can sit oh down? Oh, my God, than, you're uh, the absolute worst person oh, in the that's world. A, that's allowed now that we're all old, but when you're young, that is pathetic. <laughs> oh, what a buzzkill you <laughs> are, honestly. Love, love a seat at a gig, love it. Um <laughs> Right, uh, yeah. I, I, I honestly, I was watching Footloose, and I was going, "Did you make me watch this film, Chris, as some kind of petty revenge for Geostorm last week?" Uh, and I got it into my head that it's, it's going to be a difficult show to continue with if we start picking movies as revenge for previous imagined slights. So I was worried about that. Um, I would have preferred it if Footloose had remained um, what it was in my mind, which is the description Peter Quill gives of it in guardians of the galaxy which made it sound like a much better film than what i watched and and shorter so so yeah um right a bit of trivia then for this movie uh, written by songwriter and actor uh, dean pitchford uh, who'd already won an oscar at this point uh, for the song fame uh, which you wrote the lyrics for fame i'm going to live forever i'm going to learn how to fly nope Neither of oh, you. Oh, sorry. Okay. You were leading us in. Sorry. <laughs> sorry. Yeah. 
Yep, never mind. Okay. So he actually found a news story uh, about a real town called Elmore City in Oklahoma, uh, which in 1981 lifted an 80-year-old ban on dancing. Um, it had banned dancing since its founding in 1898 in an attempt to decrease the amount of heavy drinking. Uh, one advocate of the dancing ban was the reverend who said, and I'm quoting, no good has ever come from a dance. If you have a dance, somebody will crash it and they'll be looking for only two things, women and booze. When <laughs> boys and girls hold each other, they get sexually aroused. You can believe what you want, but one thing leads to another. <laughs> I rarely find myself agreeing with a man of the cloth, but he is absolutely right. Um, How do you know? You've never danced with anyone. <laughs> I've seen dancers at a distance. I don't know how know you do your courting, on. Alex, honestly. How do you court a young woman if you if you won't ask her to dance? With with wit and engaging conversation. When she walks past you, she's on the dance floor with some fit as fuck whoever, and as she walks past you, you're like, I'll tell you a joke. Do, do you like do you like Geostorm? <laughs> well, if that works for you, fine. I'm the interesting guy in the corner who's just sort of like leaning like uh, against the, the the barrier. If there's a barrier <laughs> on the balcony <laughs> where no one can see you, <laughs> shouting down, "Hey, hey, <laughs> hey, you down there? <laughs> can I buy you a drink?" <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so what happened was in 1980, uh, the junior class of Elmore City's high school made national news when they requested permission to hold a junior prom. Uh, the request to overturn the ban in order to hold the prom was met by a 2-2 decision from the school board, and the school board president broke the tie with the words, let them dance. <laughs> <laughs> Why is that not in the fucking movie? What a goosebumps moment that would have been in that town hall meeting. I saw, I saw it. I saw on the DVD they had an interview with the principal of that actual school from the time, um, a, a present day interview, and he was he was just like he he was he said they asked me if they could have a prom, and I said of course you can have a prom, and he said I didn't real I didn't realize it was legal. He said then, then I had a problem, and and but the, the, as as you say the school board and even the city council both were both fine with it, but it's it's not quite as dramatic as the film presents it but in real life the church was the body that still had the issue um yeah as you said so so it's mm. actually relatively true to true to real life this story yeah um they uh they wanted them um, herbert ross uh to direct it and uh, they did eventually get him but initially they they weren't going to stump up the money uh for mr herbert ross uh, so they brought in michael cimino uh, to direct it. Now, this would have been his first film since the almighty folly that was Heaven's Gate. Um, if you think Michael Cimino had been humbled uh, by the experience of directing a movie that ended the new Hollywood revolution, he wasn't uh, at all. Uh, Pitchford remembers someone had the single idea, uh, the idea to single-handedly resurrect the career of Michael Cimino. Uh, he was the director of Footloose for about four months because he kept asking for more and more grandiose setups and making increasingly ridiculous demands, like wanting $250,000 for a rewrite he did uh, of the script. He wasn't asked to do it. He just did it and then went, I've done this. How about a quarter of a million? The story he wanted to tell was apparently about the American dream gone sour. So he was he was he wanted to paint the, his picture on a much larger canvas than the one we got, which is about a bunch of kids who want to dance. Yeah. 
Uh, yeah, they 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 binned him. Uh, the, the, uh, apparently, uh, the the film's producer uh, Daniel Melnick uh, said that uh, it just wasn't the movie we wanted to make. <laughs> we wanted to make entertainment, <laughs> is what he says, uh, which Michael Cimino didn't want to make. Uh, so eventually, they get Herbert Ross uh, to direct it. Um, casting wise. Tom Cruise and Rob Lowe uh, were both uh, in the running for the lead. Uh, Cruise, uh, they wanted him because of the famous scene in Risky Business, but he was already committed to something else, all the right moves. Uh, Rob Lowe auditioned three times. Uh, Unfortunately, he didn't get it because he blew out his anterior cruciate ligament uh, while auditioning for the film. And he said in an interview much later, I have post-traumatic stress with anything having to do with Footloose. Uh, he recalls a story at a party where Kenny Loggins asked him to do a karaoke duet of the theme song, and he said, I won't do anything to do with that damn movie, but I will do Danger Zone from Top Gun. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the Tom Cruise story, what I like is they everyone says that he couldn't do it because of All the Right Moves, a different film he made, that happened to mm. star Chris Penn. Which makes me oh, think really? that it was entirely <laughs> possible for Tom Cruise to do both movies. <laughs> so they get Bacon. Uh, Bacon turned down uh, the lead in Christine uh, to do uh, Footloose. Uh, he had been in Animal House. Thank you, sir. May I have another uh, before this and Friday the 13th? Uh, producers really wanted him. And so to convince the studio that he was the right guy, uh, they made him spend an entire night with a hairdresser getting his hair done before his final audition to God, look really? like he does in the movie. Yeah, His hair is yeah. awful in this film. It's they, horrendous. No, well, I'll say they got a guy. It was a GQ photographer who they paid, uh, I think, a ridiculous amount of money. And if you look at the screen test, they're all online. I'll post them on Twitter. His hair looks great in this um, photo shoot and this screen test. His hair looks really good. And I don't know why they then went, whatever that horror is that ended up in the film. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know what it is. I think that's the problem. I can tell you exactly what it is because he even name checks it in the film. He was a big fan of Sting and that was Sting's haircut at the time. And actually Hmm. a lot of the new wave artists at the time had that haircut. And when I was doing my research um, for this one, I I, I ended up watching Kenny Loggins do Footloose at Band-Aid. And every act at Band-Aid had this haircut. So this was just the thing. This was the hair. You know, I think Loggins, Brian Adams was straight after Loggins, and he has exactly the same haircut as Red. So this is just how how teenagers wore their hair in in 1984. I like to remember Kevin Bacon with the haircut he has in Tremors. In fact, that is my Kevin Bacon. I didn't really know Kevin Bacon before Tremors. Tremors was my introduction to Kevin Bacon, and it remains the movie I always think of when I think Kevin Bacon. That and Wild Things. Well, he said on the on the on the on the on, on the two thousand and for other reasons what? as well. But yeah, Kevin Bacon. <laughs> just just Kevin Bacon. I remember anything else about that movie? Just uh, the bit where he comes out of the shower naked. Uh, that's the bit that everyone remembers. He says though that to this day he's still Kevin Footloose Bacon. That's how he's he's written about. I think he's one of those actors that 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 sort of knows that whatever he does, he'll never shake this one off. Yeah, only to people who've seen the movie. I haven't seen the movie, so that doesn't work on me. Um, he'll be pleased to hear. He's tremors, Kevin Bacon, to me. Um, according to Laurie Singer, uh, in uh, 2010, she did an interview and she was talking about the fact that pretty much everyone in Hollywood was auditioning for what she calls Paramount Pictures' wild girl role. Uh, she wasn't wrong. 
Madonna auditioned. Uh, Daryl Hannah was offered the part but turned it down to play um, Madison in Splash. Uh, other names, Melanie Griffith, Michelle Pfeiffer, Jamie Lee Curtis, Rosanna Arquette, Julia Louis-Dreyfus, Heather Locklear, Meg Ryan, Jennifer Jason Lee, Jodie Foster, Phoebe Cates, Tatum O'Neill, Bridget Fonda, Diane Lane and Brooke Shields all auditioned. Wow, quite a lot there. Um, I'd have been happy with some of those, although I think Laurie Singer's really good in this. Really like her in this. I mean, considering the part makes literally no sense, she does <laughs> yeah. a good job with it. Yeah, yeah she does. I agree. It's a very strange role, but she's good. Yeah. Uh, she uh, she said in the same interview, uh, "I'm always remembered. I, I'm always tremendously honoured by people's appreciation of Ariel's wild ways. We were all surprised that critics like Pauline Kael and the fans liked Footloose so much." I think she might be getting confused because I dug up Pauline Kael's review, which reads, <laughs> the director Herbert Ross and the writer Dean Pitchford exhaust one bad idea after another. <laughs> uh, other than that, obviously the soundtrack was huge. Uh, Footloose itself, massive number one hit, um, as was the track, uh, Let's Hear It For The Boy, by Denise Williams and um, the song Footloose, nominated for an Oscar. So, yeah. It was a hit. Eight million budgets, eighty million dollars in the bank in America alone. Any other bits and pieces before we get into this film? No. No. Right then. So we get a montage at the start, uh, which is our first full playthrough of the song Footloose. <laughs> um it's it was like a game of Russian roulette for me, this montage. A lot of feet. Uh, I just knew some bare feet were coming up. I, I knew it, so I'd steeled myself, and by the time some bare feet appeared on my large TV screen, I was ready, and I didn't throw up. So we first meet John Lithgow, uh, who's giving a kind of fire and brimstone sermon in church. I love John Lithgow. I think we should do a John Lithgow season on this podcast. <laughs> he is brilliant. Um. I found a little bit about what was going on behind the scenes. Uh, he did an interview with Variety. Apparently, there was a lot of hard partying. The townsfolk, where they filmed this in Utah, did not like the uh, crew being there because there was a uh, Kevin Baker says a lot of people partying. There was some drugs and drinking. John Lithgow says uh, I was worried that uh, me and Diane Weist, who played the conservative Christian parents in Footloose, were worried we were being excluded as the older cast members, so they got wild in an after-hours party. He said, we took off our clothes and swam in the pool at the hotel where the cast was staying. And then the on-screen daughter, Laurie Singer, followed suit. He said there was a memo sent out to every member of the production the next morning from the producer that said, behave yourselves. It was directed to me and Diane. <laughs> so they uh, they had a good time. Yeah, he said that he made this film during the two- to three-year period where he made all of his best films. Really? Yeah, he he says, um, Terms of Endearment, World According to Garp, Buckaroo Banzai and Footloose, uh, what he considers a sort of the pinnacle of, of his yeah. career. Oh, Santa Claus the movie. Don't forget, that was 1987. <laughs> that was in yeah. that period as well. <laughs> he didn't mention that in his interview. <laughs> he didn't. Did he not? Did he not? Did he not mention BZ? Uh, it's a great role. Um, so the Oscar uh should go to the kid in that church scene. I Did know. you know? <laughs> <laughs> He's amazing. Honestly, I was like, how have they got him to actually fall asleep and then mm. wake up and then be like, oh, fuck off, dad. Like such a such good sleep, child sleep acting. So you do think, <laughs> sleep acting. Uh, <laughs> do you, you do think he was actually asleep? Because if he no, wasn't. I don't. I think he's he, a, a very gifted actor. 
absolutely amazing. Dean, Dean Pitchford amazing says work. on the commentary that he did fall asleep, that kid. Whether you oh, believe right. that or not, his memory is that that kid did fall asleep. Well, method, that's great. Still gets a lot of respect. Um, we meet Kevin Bacon and Gremlin's mom outside the church. Um, <laughs> but really, at the moment, this is all about learning who Ariel is. Uh, this is John Lithgow's daughter, and we learn about who she is in the first of two playing chicken with another vehicle scenes in the film. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it, so I get it. Go on. Well, it's just when you watch it for the first time, you're just like, that is bananas. Why have you done that, Ariel? Why are you risking your life? But then when you know her backstory, that her brother died in a car crash, it, it seems very poignant then. Like she's just got this oh, God, she's like trying to relive that moment or sort of play chicken with that moment in herself. But you don't know that first time round. So you're like, that just seems a, it's a it's a lot <laughs> to try and yeah. impress a boy. <laughs> it's a lot. And it's, I get what they're trying to do. They're trying to say Ariel is a wild child. She is a girl rebelling against her minister father. To me, there is a big difference between being a rebel and being a fucking psychopath and mm. having a death wish, which is how this scene plays out. But she does, no I think she does have that. a death wish. I think she does have a death wish because her brother died. That's what she's doing. She's pushing it to the edge. Yeah. Do you think... Yeah. Do you yes. think I yeah. am... Okay. But you don't find out until later. So when you watch it, you're like, yeah. what's this girl doing? Also, why, right. is the, why does the truck not even slow down? So the truck can... It's not like the hill and then it's like, oh, the truck. The truck has got time to actually stop rather than just kill two kids. It, it really reminded me of, of Mad Max watching it as well. It yeah. felt like it could have been from, from a George Miller movie, the, the way it's shot. Yeah. The, the, the truck doesn't slow down. Victoria, you know the rules of chicken. You both, you both, you, you play chicken. The truck doesn't slow down because he knows the rules. He he's oh, waiting for them to move. <laughs> he doesn't want to wimp uh, out. I get that now, right? But you're right. This the tone of this this scene is uh, as a first time viewer and not knowing Ariel's story at this point. I, I was I wasn't sure what to make of it. I wasn't sure if it was meant to be funny. Uh, I wasn't sure if it was good. It felt a bit like the bridge scene in Saturday Night Fever, where the guy is messing yeah. about on the bridge and, and falls to his death. Uh, it, it just put me on edge. Um, I, I wasn't. I wasn't. I wasn't a big fan. It's a good stunt, I will say. It looks great. It's a really good stunt, but it put me on edge. Um, and I didn't quite like the edit at the end because the, the truck is really close, and it, she kind of like T one thousands it. She like turns to liquid, <laughs> and falls through the window. <laughs> it's very strange. Very strange. Um, and then we're back uh, with Kevin now, uh, who's not eating dinner with his mom and their family uh, because we need to understand that Kevin is so edgy, he doesn't need to eat. That's the message <laughs> in this scene. He's got no time for food. He's busy standing looking out of a window in his leather jacket in what I think is a tool shed uh, for some reason. But he's um, – he's, I, I didn't really – this is one of my problems with the film. I didn't really understand who this family were. Uh, I had to piece it together, this family that him and his mom – had moved yeah. in with well because again that's... the backstory is given to you just a bit too it's good second time round, but you're waiting for ages to find out why kevin and his mom have gone to her sisters and then it's because their the dad like walked out on them and and for, i don't know why they would have to flee town but they did so yeah it, it, it doesn't first time round. you're just like why is this happening yep i, I would have liked to have known more um so that this was this was that was a black mark for me uh, then we get to the diner, uh, which is our first dance scene in the movie. Uh, I, I use dance in the loosest possible sense. <laughs> Ariel 
puts a stereo on and screw physics. Everyone in half a mile can hear this music. Uh, people in the, in the toilets, uh, in the diner can hear this music uh, and they start moving. I'm, mm. I'm going to say moving, not dancing. They, they move. Uh, massive respect to the extra who is dancing while playing the arcade machine. It's yeah. truly, truly the worst thing I've seen ever. It's awful. It's well, awful movement. Uh, as Dave, as Dean Pitchford said, he gave himself an, a problem because while it's a good concept, he's trying to make a musical in a place where music isn't allowed, yeah. and a dance movie in a place where dancing isn't allowed. So that's why they added the opening credits um, the, of the feet with Footloose because they realised they didn't have a dance sequence until twenty minutes in, mm. and even then, it's sort of uh, repressed. It's not a real dance sequence. So, yeah, it's it, the whole film's a little bit of a contradiction, really. Mm. It's quite an interesting moment, though, where John Lithgow turns up because in both these movies, the dads aren't your traditional angry dad that you yeah. kind of expect. And I do think it's they're better written characters than that. I do think it's good where he walks away silently after saying that line, which is really oh, effective. And, really? And, 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 I thought I found yeah. it genuinely like moving. Mm. Because he's just yeah. crushed. He's not angry. And you've seen him, like you said, the fire and brimstone sermon. So you know he likes to shout. Yep. And he, you fully expect him to go completely nuts. And he's just devastated instead. Yeah, that line. He goes, your mother didn't think you had any money with you. Oh, and he's broken. Oh, yeah. It's great. I needed it to not be that, though. I liked it. You need him to be angry in that scene. It doesn't, it doesn't, you need him to drag Ariel out, uh, like grab her by the arm and go, you're coming home. I think it needed that. I respect yeah. it for doing something different. To me, you kind of want him to go angry so you can dislike him uh, a bit more because the film needs him to be a little bit more villainous and not understanding, which it does a bit later when he slaps her and you're like, whoa, okay. And I think you needed that there just as a, as a bit of a, a boom moment. Mm. It's, a, it's a quiet moment when it should be a big moment, a big end to that scene. For me, I, yeah, I, felt I can like see that. that. Uh, so Kevin goes to school. Uh, he's already an outcast because he wears a leather tie, which <laughs> seems fair. I. Uh, <laughs> I agree. He should be he should be ostracised for wearing a leather tie. I, do, I, I, I I was a geek at school, and if a kid had turned up with a leather tie, I'd have been like, "Thank God, I'm not bottom of the pecking order anymore." He's wearing a leather tie. <laughs> he's, I mean, he's also 24. Um, <laughs> so, so uh, the fact is, Bacon said he once he got cast, he was very concerned about the fact that he was too old for this role. He was very worried people wouldn't believe it, and so they enrolled him in the local high school. Yeah, um, and, okay. and, and he said that he 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 only went for one day, but he said he thought 100 percent that he'd be strutting around the corridors, being being the mature guy that he was. But he said he actually felt really scared that he was going to get beaten up he really felt mm. threatened um in this school playing this role and so he, he kept his head down for that whole day and that's how that's why he ended up playing it like that in the film he was originally going to play it as a cocky kid but because he thought he was going to get beaten up in real life um that's how he played it in the movie <laughs> but he did say he met a, he met a local lad who sort of took him under his wing and so that's that sort of fed into his relationship with Willard in those scenes, played by Chris Penn. You, you say he spent the whole day there. He was meant to spend the whole day there. He scarpered after about three hours because he was so scared. <laughs> he left the school. He didn't spend the whole day there. I went to uh, do some filming in a school once. Uh, this is a, a, a few years ago. If you've ever gone back to a school, not as a proper adult, 
but as a sort of young adult, like I was in my 20s, it's freaking terrifying. School kids, it was the most scared I've ever been on a, on a set. It's not, it wasn't even a set. We were walking around the corridors and they, they gather, they gather mm. around you and, <laughs> and, and the menace and the, the threatening atmosphere, it was, it was really awful. I, I didn't like it at all. I'd like to see I you mean, get beaten up by school kids. <laughs> <laughs> Why? Why would you like know. to see it's, that? It would just be funny. It would be funny. Image. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Dance for us. I, I don't dance. Dance for us. <laughs> really young ones. So um, at the Chris Penn moment. <laughs> yeah, well, I've, I've really, I don't know. What do you do in that situation? Because you're not really allowed to hit a kid. So imagine I was at a primary school and some six-year-old started on me. I, you just have to let yourself get beaten up because you, you hit a kid and you're the one in trouble. You're hitting a kid. So you just have to stand there and take it. That's why I'd like it. Anyway, move yeah. on. <laughs> You mentioned Chris Penn. Um, it's a nice switcheroo here where you think he's going to be the villain and then Kevin Bacon wins him over by somehow, like by being a smart ass. And he goes, I like you, kid. You're a smart ass. And they become friends. Oh, well, well, they become proper friends after they have lunch together and Kevin narrates <laughs> some erotic fiction to him. <laughs> <laughs> odd. Very, very, very odd. Very odd. <laughs> It's really it's weird. So, yeah, it's so like, and it's not even, it's not even a true story. So he's basically made up this sexy story, and it's like you can see Chris Penn is being gradually turned on, aroused over lunch as Kevin goes, and these seats reclined, and she was, <laughs> she was leaning back in these seats, and you're like, you just met. Uh, it's at this moment probably about half an hour into the film, I want to say, that we finally find out dancing is illegal in this town. That is, this is the moment where Chris Penn goes, dancing is illegal. We've, I, I, to my knowledge, we haven't been told that. This is happening too late for me. I needed this to be happening earlier. Um, there is a nice line, though, where Kevin calls out Chuck, um, who is Ariel's dickhead boyfriend, for using the word pansy. I thought that was quite good. Where he goes, yeah. I thought only idiots use the word pansy, which is, um, you know, it's it's a, it's a, it's an interesting moment in a film because you know this is nineteen eighty four, and the fact that that happens, you know, we're about to enter the sort of muscle men era of Hollywood when you know um, slurs like that would be commonplace, used by a hero to describe someone, and here mm. he's called out for using it, which is great. Yeah. Um, but Kevin and Chuck don't get on uh, over Ariel, and so they end up, I'm going to say, jousting in tractors, <laughs> which I'm assuming is a, a high school tradition in small-town America. A strange scene. Um, <laughs> it, it, yeah, you want to go up? He's going up. I'm, he's going down. Oh, I'm going to go down as well. I don't know what, what the end result is. I don't know how it's meant to end. Uh, I guess uh, it's helped by Bonnie Tyler holding out for a hero, yes. which is Love a great that. track. <laughs> when that when that kicks in, you know shit's about to go down. So good, but yeah. you're just maybe not expecting it to be quite as slow as it is. <laughs> yeah. um, it reminds me of the Father Ted spoof of Speed, where where it's a milk float. 
you know, and, and they try, you know, the joke is that it's not fast, but they're trying to make it look fast. And here they're desperately trying to make it look like these, these tractors are going faster than they are. But then they give us an establishing shot where we can actually see how slow they are going. <laughs> and it just undermines all the good, all the, all the quick uh, camera work they've done. Uh, it's um, it's the steamroller scene for Aust- from Austin Powers where he's yeah, like, get out yeah. of the way. Yeah. <laughs> it's there's a point it's... where they literally speed up the footage to make it look faster than it is. So, uh, is I think it's wonderful if I'm honest. <laughs> yeah, and while I like holding out for a hero, it's the wrong song to play in this moment because it's a song that demands motion and running and speed, and it just emphasises how slow this is. Um, I do like the fact that Kevin doesn't really win. He wins by accident. That's nice that he's not like this big, like, I, I'm going to beat Chuck. His lace gets caught on the pedal, and so he inadvertently <laughs> wins, which is mm. nice. It's a nice end to that scene. Um then there's a really confusing scene. Uh, help me out. Uh, maybe I missed something. We're back in school, and there's a kid who I swear I hadn't seen before. Maybe no, I should I have seen, seen him. him. Right, no. good. Rich is his name. Kevin Bacon seems to know who he is. And Rich is a drug dealer, maybe. He gives Kevin a joint, at which point, as Kevin is handed the joint, a teacher turns up and his teacher amusingly for a teacher who hates drugs is actually called mr gerns (laughs) 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 and and this teacher's like give me that joint and kevin runs off to the bathroom and he's like i put it in the toilet it was tea anyway and you're like what is happening (laughs) is that that a real joint i watched watched it three times and i couldn't figure out there might have been some logic to it if if the the kid and the teacher were setting him up were like in on it together. But the, the third time I watched it, the, kid, the way the kid acts, he's not in on it. He's kind of annoyed that the teacher's found them. It just doesn't, it doesn't make any sense whatsoever. But it is meant to be what you just said. It's entrapment. Basically, the kid is a friend of Chuck's. You see him again later. Oh. And it's just, it's not established very well at this point in the movie. But he's a friend of Chuck's and he is trying to get him caught. And I'm assuming because... Chuck is on the football team and that yep. guy is the coach of the yep. football team. He right. also wants this kid gone. So it is, it's entrapment. That's what they're doing. Do you think they're, the teacher's in up. on it with the kid then? Yes, and I think the kid is just a bad actor okay. in the bit in the bit okay. in the toilet. Because I know the bit you mean in the toilets where the, yeah, the yeah. kid sort of looks Yeah, yeah, but he's he's in on it. I think he's meant to pull the expression, damn, it didn't work, our plan. But it looks like phew, <laughs> I didn't get caught dealing drugs, which is like what? What? Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, at this point, Forget Kevin's it. had enough. Forget Kevin's it. Had a, Kevin, Kevin's had enough at this point. He a really little bit does. like me. He's, <laughs> he's, he, he's bloody livid. He's livid with the town, the drugs. He's, he's, he's flashing back to them as well. So mm. what does he do? He goes to a big <laughs> warehouse and he... I'm not going to say dance. Moves. He expresses himself, Alex. That's what mm. dancing is about. It's he's embarrassing. It's not embarrassing. Well, first of all, no one can see him, it so it's fine. <laughs> he yeah. is... Dan- dance like nobody's watching. Uh, yeah, thank right. God nobody's watching. <laughs> you know what it reminded me of? You know those toys from when we were little, the, the, the people with the sticky hands and feet, and you throw them at the window, and they've got like, little balls... <laughs> little sticky balls on their hands and feet and then they climbed out. He does a jump at one point and he looks like a, a sticky hands and feet man. So here's a question for you. I mean, obviously there's there's a few people involved in this sequence. There, I think there were about six or seven people on set dressed as Kevin Bacon. You had dancers, stuntmen and gymnasts. Can Kevin Bacon dance? 
I thought you would tell me, actually. I thought he must mm. be able to dance a bit. Well, well no, you see him, I mean, that... you see him dance in the film and I think he's just a pretty average dancer when, it is at, when it's clearly him. He said that when he got the script, he just read, and here he dances, and here he dances. And so when it began, um, the filming, when they were telling him, you're going to have a, a choreographer, uh, he was like, I don't need a choreographer. Just turn the camera on and I'll dance. And then he learned that actually he would need a choreographer. And he was kind of annoyed that he didn't have enough time. He said that we were, I was doing things at this hugely accelerated rate when I, I could have done with more time to learn how to dance well. But he's also annoyed that he had all these stunt doubles. Uh, he said, I had a stunt double, a dance double, and two gymnastics doubles. There were five of us in the fucking outfit, and I felt horrible. So he did want to do everything. He just didn't have time. Personally, yeah, I think they, it's good. That... They showed him his screen test, and that's when he knew that he, he needed other people to be involved with this. Because <laughs> uh, that, that was when he was dancing on his own. But also, he got in a bit of a row with the filmmakers as well, because once they were using these other people, they told him that he'd have to lie about... that he had to, He would have to claim that it was him in all the scenes, because that's what you were supposed to do, and he refused to lie about it. So he had a bit of a standoff with the the filmmakers over that and stood his ground. So if whenever anyone did ask him, is that all you, he would say the truth that it wasn't, that there were five people. Mm. He could have lied though, because as far as stunt doubles go, they're very good. You yeah, don't, very good. You, you don't sort of look at them and go, oh, that's not Kevin, that's not Kevin, mm. that's not Kevin. They're quite good. One of his um, stunt, one of his dance doubles in this scene married one of Jennifer Beale's dance doubles from Flashdance. Really? No. Really? <laughs> Small world, eh? That's that is why you tune in, guys. There you go, pulling back the curtain, <laughs> pulling back the curtain on Hollywood. Because she did um, get well... in, she, she did get in shit for lying about the fact that she did all the dancing and flash dance, which she very much did not. Uh, most obviously in the scene at the end where it's a man doing her moves. <laughs> um, listen, well, I've already told you I'm not a fan of dancing. I'm covering two dance movies this week against my will. Can we not talk about a third dance movie? Let's leave flash dance to the flash dance episode, which I'm sure we're gonna get when I pick another movie like The Relic or something as some petty revenge. So let's take a break and we'll be back with Footloose in a second. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinarian developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. 
So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. This week at Sukarnov. Over on My 7 Wonders with Clive Anderson, comedy legend Ian Stone is choosing what he'd put on his list of personal wonders of the world. Along the way, he tells a story of the first time he ever did stand-up, and it wasn't exactly by choice. My friends, who um, unbelievably remained my friends after this, uh, put me down secretly for the open mic spot. I mean, I went on. I actually, I didn't know what to say. I stood there. I'd never been on a stage before. Well, actually, I'd done a school play once, but I, I was playing... Uh, I was some biblical thing. I can't even remember, but... Um, you see, so went into your I am Joseph. Yeah. Uh, is there room in your inn routine? Give me my coloured coat. Yeah, that didn't work. Meanwhile, these self-care club ladies are keen to figure out why so many women often find themselves saying sorry for just about anything. I think that it is such a fine line between over-apologising unnecessarily and actually standing up and saying, I'm sorry for this, I'm sorry if you've been uncomfortable in any way that's been caused by me. And I think that's a sign of strength, isn't it? To be able to apologise for yourself, but not at the cost of your self-esteem. All that and a whole lot more at Sukarnov. Right then, we're back in the warehouse. Uh, Kevin thought no one was watching, but bloody hell, someone's watching. Ariel, she turns up, and in no uncertain terms, Kevin calls her a slut, uh, which is an interesting uh, gambit, seeing as he quite likes her. He goes, you've kissed a lot of guys, and then rapidly backtracks and go, goes, oh, what I meant is I'm worried about uh, how I'd compare. That's why. <laughs> That's what I've meant. So I meant because you've kissed a lot of men, you're probably really good, and you've got a lot of knowledge about kissing and I'm... Uh, I'd like to see that work in real life. <laughs> That'd be great. <laughs> You're a slut. What I mean is I'm just probably going to disappoint you. Shall we? <laughs> uh, um, anyway, uh, Ariel takes him to the inside of a derelict train engine Um and before you can say, you wrote this poetry, it's awful. She's playing everyone's <laughs> favourite first date game, Train Dodge. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, she's still got this death wish. Um, I just, I don't know. I mean, if I was Kevin in that moment, I'd be like, I, you're hard work. Yeah, I'll you're probably... a fucking nightmare, to be honest, <laughs> Ariel. <laughs> Maybe I won't. Like, Sarah yeah. Jessica Parker is fun. She's pretty. She's uh, into me, probably. I'll just I'll just go there. Ariel anyone, is a fucking nightmare. Yeah. Anyone else? I'll take any of the other girls in this movie than a girl who I literally have to push out of the way of a train on our first date after <laughs> listening to her poetry. Two black marks there. That's two strikes. <laughs> oh, I thought her poetry was all right. <laughs> like, <laughs> why not? I know, you know, and what she was saying about everyone wanting this role, you can understand why, because it's, you know, it's slim pickings, 
when you compare to roles for a leading man, you don't get as much character development, maybe. And just the fact that she's like, and by the way, she's a poet. And everyone have been like, whoa, like, that is a lot. Like, you don't need that extra development in Hollywood in the early 80s for a fem- for a romantic lead, uh, the woman romantic lead. I just don't think you do. So it's good that she gets that little bit of her own personal character. Um, and so therefore, I thought her poetry was incredible. And also, I know nothing about poetry. And that'll be why you think it's incredible. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, you've got a low bar, but that's fine. That's fine. Um, <laughs> uh, we do find out, though, very uh, very quickly after this, we get the bridge story where Ariel's brother, uh, uh, John Lithgow's son, uh, has died, which is why dancing is banned in the town. And that's why Ariel is a little bit screwy. And we find this out after Kevin takes them across the state line to a bar where dancing isn't banned. And we get a montage of dancing. And this is the second time Kenny Loggins' Footloose is played <laughs> in full in the movie. Um, this is the scene he actually wrote it for. He said it when he watched the final film, he was quite surprised. It also bookended the film and got played three times. <laughs> he literally thought he was writing a, a song for a honky-tonk barroom scene. <laughs> He was surprised. I was surprised. I think probably anyone who watched this movie was surprised three times. Wow, that's uh, that's a lot of times. But um, we find they out can that drink. John, at, they uh, can drink at that bar. They can dance at that hmm. bar. I mean, what are they bothered about? Just go to that bar all the time. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, it's it's true. Um, although Chris Penn can't dance. Apparently Chris Penn couldn't actually dance in real life. And him learning to dance, uh, they sort of built uh, the montage of him and Kevin learning how to dance because Chris Penn did need to learn how to dance a bit in the film. And so the story goes, he was the only actor other than John Lithgow who got cast in the room. And the difference is he was nothing like his character. They said the character was quite bland on the page. He wasn't a jock. He could dance. They brought in this guy, the, the casting agent brought in Chris Penn and the personality he brought, they immediately cast him and rewrote the role for him. Um, but the trouble ah. was he hadn't he hadn't read the script either. His dad, I guess maybe his dad's a bit of a stage dad because obviously his his brother Sean was making movies at this time, and his dad was the one mm. who said yes to the movie um, before Chris actually read the script, and so he didn't he didn't <laughs> even know it was a dance movie. Um, he said he showed up on the first day in combat boots and um, smoking a cigarette, and they told him then everyone else was in jogging pants and he was confused and, <laughs> and very stressed out very stressed out that between every take he was on his own trying to learn these dance moves which i'm not sure he does succeed in the end but he gives it a go yeah i think he gets quite good there's a bit where there's a bit when he's dancing for kevin while kevin looks on and <laughs> he sort of drops down and does some sort of low kicks and i thought that's I, that's pretty good i mean for someone who doesn't like dance me I thought, oh, yeah, I like that. That was all right. Um, anyway, Diane Weist, uh, who I watched recently in uh, another movie, uh, I Care A Lot, and she's brilliant in it, and that's a great movie, just by the by. Uh, she's calling out John Lithgow on his behaviour right now. Um, he's hit their daughter at this point, and he says to his wife, she's become too willful. This is a great line. <laughs> uh, she says that he doesn't talk to her anymore. Uh, he says, it's not that we don't talk, it's just people run out of things to say. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm it's using difficult. that. I'm going to yeah. use that. It's, it's not that we don't talk, it's just I don't have anything to say to you. <laughs> Anymore. <laughs> 
I think she's very good. I think this, you know, because the um, Vi, his wife, doesn't have much to do. Like she says, you know, I've been a minister's wife for twenty years, and I've been quiet and I've been supportive, and that's what she's like in the film. But the speech, you know, her little speech is very economical, very devastating. There is, I think there's a bit of a problem, and it maybe is of its time or whatever, but John Lithgow slapped their daughter, which is crackers thing to do, and he doesn't say sorry. He just says, I've never hit anyone before. And it's like, that's, <laughs> not, that's not saying sorry. And then you say, and I'm very sorry, but he doesn't. But he, and interestingly, he doesn't say, I've never hit anyone before, and I'm embarrassed that I have. He's, yeah. He almost says, I've never hit anyone before, but bloody hell, did she deserve it? And that's why I'm here for the first time. Because <laughs> yeah. he sort of goes, I've never hit anyone before, but she's become so bloody willful, she bloody yeah. deserved that slap. It's a very strange moment. But especially because you've not set up John Lithgow as that guy at that yeah. point. Yeah. That's why I think you needed him to be a little more like that at the start, and then he sort of changes yeah. a little bit later. Uh, Kevin is attacked in a phone box by the kid who did slash didn't try and set him up with drugs. And he's saved by a kid I swear we've never seen before, which no, is another strange no. moment. Who's he? <laughs> Who no idea. He? But he's like his best mate. He's like, I've got you, Kevin Bacon. I will beat the shit out of anyone. You're like, when did this get set up? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, just why, why? Who who are you? And then this kid becomes a big part of the rest of the film. It's like, what? Where's who are you? Um, but we get to Kevin Bacon's favorite scene in the film, which I mentioned, uh, which is him teaching uh, Chris Penn to dance to Denise Williams. Let's hear it for the boy. Uh, he says, Kevin Bacon, from a dance standpoint, the best scene in the movie is me teaching Chris Penn to dance. There's yeah. an innocence that's captured there of just this guy trying to teach this other guy a couple of moves. And I think that's why the movie was popular, more so than any kind of standalone dance or gymnast moves. I, I do like it. Chris Penn makes it. He makes it really nice. His 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 off time dance out of time dancing really <laughs> isn't too much it's like it doesn't it's not doing it for laughs he is trying to dance it's really well done yeah i agree i think it's brilliant and also at this point he is a pretty a pretty cool and different hero for a movie is kevin baker when you look i sort of looked at what had happened to him at this point. He beats the bully in a tractor duel by accident. He gets saved from a fight by a tougher kid rather than saving himself. And he has a montage where he slow dances with his best mate, which is kind of cool for a hero to have those moments and not actually be that classically heroic, I guess you could say. Yeah, he, I think he's cool. just the right kind of cool. Hmm. Whereas sort of Patrick Swayze's Johnny Castle in Dirty Dancing is almost something you can't really aspire to. He's so cool. Whereas this guy just he feels he feels more real. Yeah, yeah. Um, fresh off the uh, fresh off the being slapped by a dad, um, Ariel's going to get a few more slaps because this is a nasty scene where yeah, Ariel and Chuck bad. have a proper fight. It's all um, bad, all very bad, all very bad. How? Well, how do you mean very bad? Well, so she she's breaking up with him and she hits him. And that's bad because you shouldn't be doing that. But then he yep. beats the shit out of her and that's not good either. Um, so she's hit him and that's uh, irresponsible and wrong. But he's bigger than her and he, that doesn't mean he's then allowed to kick the living shit out of her. And then the next time you see her, she says to Kevin Bacon, oh, sorry, you've got to see me like this. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. Where's the, where, where are the police in this matter? Like it's mm. it's It says the, the film is saying the violence um, is okay 
it's bad. It's a bad thing for those people to do. But in terms of the wider morality of this town, she kind of had it coming, which obviously I don't like. Yeah, it, it, it plays it badly, you see. Like, she slaps him, which is bad. Now, you can have him hit her back once because you can play that off as, you know, that flash of rage. He's still a bad guy, but it's a reflex action. He's been struck and he lashes yeah. out. Yeah. But it isn't that. He carries on. And that's yeah. the part where you're like, what, what, what is that? That yeah. should have, that's, I mean, yeah, you are painting him as a villain, but we had that already. I, we didn't need this as mm. a way of, as a way of expanding I mean, and that. She looks so beaten up on the floor. And then later on, she says to Kevin Baker, I've got to go home. Do I look all right? And it's like, you look fine now. That's weird. Like when she was on the floor, it's like, I think she might die. Like she looks that <laughs> badly beaten. And then it's like a little bit of a shiner. And then later on, he's Kevin Bacon to show that he's a good guy. He's like, oh, how are you feeling about your black eye? And she's like, yeah, it's nothing. It's like, fuck, it's not nothing. Like it was, it was really bad. And mm. it, you've just shaken it off. And it, has your character shaken it off because you expect that sort of violence? Yeah, you know, what, what are we saying about this? This town that's meant to be a bastion of good morality, why is that not a bigger deal or, or, or even considered a crime? Mm. I mean, the only thing you can, I guess the only thing you can uh, say is that she didn't tell anyone. Like no one else knew, no one found out. She yeah. she didn't tell her father. She didn't because she was like, I just want to be done with it. I don't want to mention this. I want Chuck yeah. out of my life. Yeah. That was cl- that was closure for me. And even though <laughs> shit, the guy is going to get into trouble later in life if he walks around doing that. I'm not going to mention it. That's the only thing you can imagine. Yes, it's her story to tell. You're absolutely right. I just, I don't know. She just looks half dead. And so the reason she doesn't appear, her bruises are, you can pass them off with makeup is so that people won't ask questions. So then why have him beat the shit out of her as much as he does in the first place? Mm. Yeah. Anyway. Um, Kevin and his mum have a chat that uh, belonged in the first 20 minutes of the film. But but why not have it now? Uh, They have a chat about why they are in this small town. And you're like, oh, I don't really care now. I've sort of, I'm over it. I'm over that knowledge. Yeah. It, does, it doesn't matter to me. I actually spent that scene going, sofa beds haven't evolved much. <gasps> oh, in- my God. I was so jealous of his <laughs> Our sofa bed. is so uncomfortable. And when he was uh, putting the cushions up the wall, I was like, wow, padded wall sofa bed. Great idea. Yep. It looked really comfortable to me. I spent that I, scene concentrating on the sofa bed also. Yeah, it's, uh, that, is, it's, that is exactly like the sofa bed uh, I have. Um, I have that pretty much that sofa bed. Uh, got it Got it for free as well. Someone was <laughs> chucking it out on, on Facebook. Uh, they were like, if you can pay for the uh, the moving of this sofa bed, you can have it. Uh, we're clearing out our office. So I was like, bingo. And so I've got, <laughs> I've got that. And it's a sofa bed. Great. So, I mean, I don't like to think of what's happened uh, on it. You know, a sofa bed in an office. Uh, connotations, but never mind. I, I still use it. Well, I don't use it. My guests use it. I say guests. It's been used once by a guest. My mum. I didn't tell her that it was from an office. She, she probably should have told her that. Anyway, uh, then he goes to uh, the town council and quotes from the Bible, and the Bible saves the bloody day. Um, <laughs> uh, it, it's kind of this scene should work. Because this is one of those scenes where you've got an audience, a built-in audience on film, in the movie, to gasp and shout and react to Kevin Bacon's triumphant moment. This is the bit where John Lithgow should say, let him dance. But he doesn't. (laughs) It just sort of peters out on the basis that I think someone goes, it just sort of ends. And someone goes, he's thinking about it. 
in the next season because he's, he's having a he's having a think about what your, your big moments. He's he hasn't made a decision yet. You're like he needed to. That's how that scene ends with John yeah. Lithgow going, "Let him dance." But no, no, it just sort of goes. Uh, yeah, here we go. And um, then another character that I imagine ended up on the cutting room floor and should have stayed there, but didn't pops back up is the guy who runs the mill who is now some kind of soothsayer an oracle of good knowledge he pops up as a kind of mentor and tells john lithgow he's like well done john lithgow you made a good decision here who's he isn't it what isn't he the guy that gave ren the the job at the mill at the start and is always giving yes. him sort of quite sweet advice i like him i like him but he was only in one scene he gives ren a job and that's it that's all he does, and then he's back at the end. Fair enough. I mean, I, I don't mind. If you like him, you like him. Uh, Kevin and John Lithgow um, have a heart-to-heart, and you know it's a heart-to-heart because it opens with John Lithgow showing Kevin pictures of his dead son. Imagine Ooh. that. That's, um, that's, a, that's a difficult conversation to would have. You, um, would you like to know something bad about that? Uh, yep. To get into the scene, Lithgow's using a picture of his own actual son who isn't dead yet. Oh, God. <laughs> Wow. Oh That's dark, okay. isn't it? Yeah. Come on, John. Just do, act- just do acting, just do, John. Do the acting. Do the photograph acting that I told you to do. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, also worth noting um, at this point, um, Sarah Jessica Parker and Chris Penn have been absent for the entire second half of this movie. They're not in it uh, at all. Uh, they've just gone uh, until the very end. Um they arrive at the prom um, like the Sons of Anarchy for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> they've, uh, they've become a biker gang uh, off screen. <laughs> there, is, there is literally no continuity in what Kevin drives in this film. He starts off driving a Volkswagen Beetle. Then he's got a red car to drive to the bar out of town. Then he's traded that in for a motorcycle at the end. And he's got his mates one too. Vroom, vroom, <laughs> they all turn up at the prom. And then because at some point it's been decided that while it's great, Kevin has been saved by another guy and he's bonded over a slow dance with Chris. He is our male lead, so he does need to have a fight. So he has a fight, <laughs> but he fights with dance. He, he flying does. kicks a guy. He jumps <laughs> off a veranda. He is literally, he, he's roadhousing. He is in roadhouse yeah. at that point. Off a veranda. <laughs> <laughs> but also, it's a mad fight because one of Chuck's gang grabs Sarah Jessica Parker. And it's like, what? What do you think you're doing? Like, what? You're going to grab this tiny girl and do what to her? He's like, come here, Sarah Jessica Parker. It's like, is that what? You're going to beat the shit out of her as well? That's not a normal feel-good dance movie fight. That's really dark. I thought he, because she is so petite, I thought he was going to use her as a weapon, like yeah. pick her up and beat the other guy using her. <laughs> um, uh, and then we get to the the ending of the film, and I kid you not, I burst out laughing. I was in stitches when Footloose came on for the third can, time. Can you, can you have I too much? Of, can you have too much it. of a good thing? Is 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 three times too many for the login? <laughs> I loved it. I loved it because, you know, if a joke doesn't work, as as you both know from doing this podcast with me, I will grind a joke into the ground. Mm. I will keep going yeah. with a joke until it the, stops being funny. And in and the this, pub. 
and in the pub. <laughs> and when we just walk into the tube station and any opportunity on the tube as well. But this, this for me is, is justification for the way I do that. I'm like, ah, oh, it's by the third time, it's brilliant. It's fantastic. <laughs> But you know this ending was a disaster when they did um, their first test screenings. Do you know about this? Yeah, Why? they reshot it, didn't they? Go on. Yeah, so it was all. So you know that the the footage that plays over the end credits, which is them in slow motion dancing. Yes. That was the end of the film. There was no upbeat, um, normal time dancing to Footloose. It was just when the dance begins, you see images of them all in slow motion and the credits roll. So it was a bit more artistic. But the audiences just went out so deflated. That, that weeks later, they had to get everyone back together in LA, although a lot of the extras they couldn't get. So you've got a whole new set of faces, a new set of dancers, new <laughs> choreography. Kevin Bacon's got different hair, if you notice. <laughs> and, and by having this up-tempo um, sequence to Footloose, they said it literally transformed what was going to be a flop into a hit. Those yeah. two minutes tacked onto the end of the movie. Yeah, I think they also... Um, when they knew that they were going to do reshoots, it allowed them to include, in their words, uh, several new dance styles that were just catching on, including popping and locking. Um, mm-hmm. they went, the producers went on a last-minute talent hunt, scouring nightclubs on New Year's Eve in 1983 to find the best dancers they could for Footloose's grand finale, um, which is why there are kids in there that you haven't seen at any point in the movie. You, you'd say the best dancers they could find. They, I feel like they've definitely found the best white dancers they could find. Yeah. Because it's so, I mean, it's a white film anyway, but you see how white it is when they're doing like the Soul Train dance line. And it's just, it's It's just, it's it's, it's miserably white. Yeah. Especially as they're in, you know, the rural south. That's why I couldn't get my head around. Because in in Dirty Dancing, it sort of makes sense, although it's still bad because it's this very privileged space. But this is just a town somewhere. It it makes, and and it's a working class town and it's a working class high school. It makes no sense that it's this um, uniform. And in the group scenes and the, and, the, and the dirty dancing scenes in Dirty Dancing, there are um, Latin dancers and African American people in those scenes. Whereas it is just it's so pale. This mm. finale. <laughs> <laughs> it is. Um, anything else for Dirty? Uh, not Dirty Dancing. God, we've still got that to come. Anything else for Footloose uh, before we do the bits? Well, no. I was just going to say that I feel like a lot of the, well, I don't feel like a lot of the success of this film came because although Pitchford had the idea in 1980, before he got it made, MTV kicked off and pop music had pictures and so did Footloose. And so they really cleverly utilised that soundtrack with each song hitting MTV before the film. So they had all these free trailers on uh, playing every single day, and that's why they ended up having six top 40 singles. And that's why it was a hit. I mean, if MTV wasn't around, I don't think this film would have, would have been as big as it ended up being. I think you're absolutely right. Let's do the bits. Right, best scene. Let's start with you, Christopher. So I was 100% coming into this thinking I would pick The Dance of Rage because that's the reason mm. I picked the film in the first place. Mm. But watching it, Again and again this week because I watched it twice. Um, the I've got to go for the dance lesson that you that you mentioned, the one between Bacon and Penn, because I think in this film they have more chemistry than than Ray and Ariel do. I Ray mm. and Ariel do. I, I think mm. that the relationship between those two is what really brings this film to life. And so, uh, yeah, I think that's a really great scene. Yeah, yeah, you're right about the chemistry as well. Um, Victoria. 
Uh, the dancing at the end, the the prom, even though the party looks boring because there's just jelly or something and no alcohol, <laughs> rubbish. It's the most <laughs> conservative party in the world. You're like, this this is a washout. And then yep. they're all standing around and no one's dancing. Looking because bored. it's like they're waiting for Kevin, their godhead, to I- turn up <laughs> and begin the dance. But, that's exa- but to be fair to the film, apparently that's exactly what happened in real life. Because these kids had never been to a dance and hadn't really done any dancing, they did all stand round until the class president stood up and started it all off because that's what you would you, – I mean, dancers are like that anyway. Certainly when I was younger, everyone would stand around awkwardly at the beginning. So I think that is real. Yeah. You, you say class president, I say cult leader. That's how I view Kevin. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the scene makes no sense because everyone is uh, is a good dancer, but where did they practice if dancing is illegal? But it doesn't matter because that's, the, that's what I came for. That's why I put this film on is to see that scene – so that's why it's the best scene. Hmm. I um, I'm going for one of the three montages to Footloose. Uh, any of those could be the best scene, but probably the last one. Probably the last one. That's when that's when I'm sold on the third playthrough in full of Kenny Loggins' Footloose. MVW, Vicky. This is a bit of a weird one, but it's well, it would have been John Lithgow. But let's the reason I'm not just picking him is because I want to I want to zero in on a, a sort of subplot that I can't believe they had time for and I can't believe they were confident enough to put in but I'm really glad they did when they could have just put more dancing in and it would have been just as good but it's this mm-hmm. subplot with these battle with the book burners um, which mm. I think is a really clever way of showing like so John Lithgow's character is obviously struggling with grief and he's got this crusade and that makes him feel very righteous and distracted from his his grief and the loss of his son but he becomes gradually aware that he has no place to judge and that what he thinks is an objective mission against dancing is actually a very personal vendetta and all the rest of it and it's done through this book burning thing which he, he finds book burning abhorrent like it, it, who are you to judge and to use that to sort of crack open a little gap in his heart that he can then even consider attending a dance with his wife and, and all the rest of it. I think is a really clever device in a film that sometimes is just a bit batshit. <laughs> so that's what I'm thinking that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, batshit. That's uh, yeah. I just it's so weird for a, for a movie about dancing. This film's rhythm is all over the place. Uh, Christopher, what is your most valuable whatever? Well, obviously, John Lithgow's always the best thing in pretty much every mm. film he's in. But that goes without saying. I also really love Chris Penn in this film. And did you know this? Another bit of trivia for you. Uh, on the DVD in her interview, Sarah Jessica Parker talks about the fact that Chris Penn was the first love of her life, that they fell oh, madly really? and deeply in love on this set. Yeah, and got did together. They? Yeah. Aww. Isn't that sweet? Yes. That is sweet. <laughs> it makes that those scenes sweet. extra lovely when they when they are falling with each other in, in love with mm. each other in the film. But I'm going for Kenny Loggins. <laughs> um, uh, it's it's interesting when the, uh, when um, they talk about f- putting the soundtrack together. He was he was casting it like a Disney movie, so that certain people, certain singers, would be the voice of the characters. And so Kenny Loggins for him was Ren, and he's singing in Ren's voice. Which I think kind of makes sense, even though you're 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 hearing it subconsciously, and so he wrote the song Footloose based on the script, and I think it really brings um, the film to life. As you say, it got nominated for an Oscar. It's in the Library of Congress now. in In 2018, it was put. It was it was named on the National Recording Registry, and the only person who doesn't love it is Kevin Bacon, who famously now, when he's at a wedding, always mm. pays the the uh, the DJ a few dollars to to not play it because otherwise people yep. get round him in a circle. 
Yeah, he says, they, like a trained monkey. They expect me to dance like I do in the film, like a trained monkey. I I, I don't know if you've ever trained a monkey, Kevin, but uh, that's a lot to ask from even a very skilled monkey. And to be fair, he says, oh, I don't want to dance to it at a wedding. But his band he's got with his brother, the Bacon Brothers, this is part of their set list. They sing Footloose every gig. So come on, Kevin. Oh, everything on his terms. MVW for me is, yeah, John Lithgow. But if we remove John Lithgow, it is the kid doing the robot at the end in the dance <laughs> montage. Brilliant. That's what I came for. A little bit of excellent dancing. And he is very good. So I like him. Finally, what would you change? Chris? Oh, it's a bit miserable, this. But I said it I said it, and I sported it just now. But I've re- it really hammered it home to me, the ending, how white Footloose is. And, and, that, yeah. and that Soul Train line they do, I think, is just a bit embarrassing. So if if you're in the rural south, make it a book, look a bit more like that. Okay, Victoria. I think Sarah Jessica Parker gets a bit of a shitty deal, um, in, and so I would like. She's not, not in it. She's not in it well, for the no, second but half. When she's That's in why. it. She's the sassy best friend servicing Ariel. Why? What is it about Ariel that's so fucking amazing? So, and then when they go to the bar, this really annoyed me, possibly because I would more identify with Sarah Jessica Parker than Ariel. They go to the bar to have drinks and dancing and Ariel like lobs her coat at, at Rusty at Sarah Jessica Parker and he's like, hold my jacket. And it's like, oh, fuck off, Ariel. Like, we're all here for a dance. We're all here for a drink. <laughs> if you don't want to hold your own coat, just check it in like a normal person. Like, spend the money. I'm not holding your coat all night, all right? <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> and so I just want SJP. I think SJP and Kevin Bacon should get together because Ariel is a fucking handful. Um, <laughs> and that's what I would like to see. But yeah, I just think she gets a bit... She doesn't. She's not her own person. She's just servicing this other girl. The so you want Alpha? You want Willard to lose Sarah Jessica well, Parker? Well, I didn't know that, did I? So now you're telling me that? No, of course not. If they were really in love, that is the nicest thing I've heard all week. But yeah, <laughs> I did want that before you told me that. Yeah. Uh, okay. Uh, I think based mine's based around Ariel because I think her character is is just it's a very strange character. So I think you need to go all in on Ariel um, and the fact that she has this death wish and. It should be that dance is the only thing that can silence her desire to put her life in danger. And Kevin uses her love of danger and his love of dance to choreograph an extreme dancing show. And they get a Vegas residency. It's a huge success, but a stunt nearly kills Ariel during one show. And because of this, they realize it's no longer a love of dance that silences her death wish, but her love for Kevin, Finn. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and it's actually Cirque du Soleil, but fine. <laughs> <laughs> Great idea. Thanks. Uh, right then, that is uh, Footloose done. Um, I, I didn't enjoy it. Uh, I'm just telling you. <laughs> you are um, so um, miserable. <laughs> <laughs> but I am looking forward to a quiz, uh, as long as it's not based on dance. Chris, are you aware of the game Six Degrees of Kevin Bacon? Yeah. No. Uh, oh, well, you kind of yes. you kind of play it with Tim Curry every week, Alex, to varying degrees <laughs> oh, of success. Shit. <laughs> oh, uh, I've got so some work gonna, to do before uh, we, Thursday show. <laughs> we're going to play yeah. a game called One Degree of Kevin Bacon, where I'm going to give you an actor, <laughs> and you have to tell me what film they starred in opposite Kevin Bacon. Oh Great. man! Oh, you, <laughs> sorry, Vicky. It's going to be a problem. No, I just I know you did. I know. Films. I know you did. And right. thank you. Okay, let's start with John Belushi. Animal House. Oh. That's correct. You've <laughs> already mentioned it on this podcast. Yeah. Uh, Kevin Costner. <gasps> oh. Oh. 
He's uh, not in um, you, the Elliot Ness thing, is he? You're a good yeah, looking man, Mr. Garrison. When yes, I get out of here, I'm going to pay you and visit. The Untouchables. That's it. Yes, that. When I come out of here, when I get out of here, I'm going to come visit you. Sle- oh, no. Sleepers. Not sleepers. It's JFK. Oh. He plays a terrifying uh, prison inmate who threatens to come and find him. Of course uh, he does. Tom Cruise. Was in, hmm, with... <laughs> Wait, in... what? Uh, taps. It, it is a courtroom drama. Oh, it's, not, it's um, um, a few good men. Oh, fuck's sake. Correct. Fucking oh. hell. Meryl Streep. Was uh, he in? This is a cracking action movie that is largely forgotten, but she's brilliant in it, and he's the villain, I think, if I remember rightly. No, I have I've, not, I've seen, not, I've seen, not seen this film. Oh, it's called The River Wild, and it is brilliant. No. Oh, okay. yeah. I think I've seen it. <laughs> <laughs> it's really good. He, like, chases her down the river. It's really good. Yeah, oh she's like God. a kick-ass action hero. It's like yeah. Meryl Streep it's... doing Liam Neeson, yeah. basically. Yeah, can, it's we, can we do that on the pod, please? Because I've never yeah, seen yeah, it. I'd, yeah, like, I'd like to do it. Great. Good one. Yeah. That'd be a good one. All right, uh, Tom Hanks. Oh, uh, uh, the Green Mile. Jesus. Oh, is he? Is he in the Green Mile? Isn't he? Is he in the Green Mile? I've got. I've got Apollo thirteen. Oh yeah. Oh, Maybe yeah. he's not. Uh, is he in the Green Mile? Shall we check? <laughs> check it. I don't think. I don't think he is. Oh damn it! I worried. I was worried this was going to happen. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, what I've got on my card What's is Apollo Kevin thirteen. Was Kevin Bacon in the Green Mile? Uh, no, I don't think so. No, he wasn't. All right. Here we you, go. Vicky, yeah. say Apollo 13 quick. Apollo 13! <laughs> Vicky, well played. Yeah. Um, yeah. Elizabeth Shue. A Hollow Man. Yes. <sighs> horrible, horrible, horrible movie. Hollow horrible Man. Movie. Awful movie. Uh, so dark. Sean Penn. Chris Sleepers. Penn's brother. Sleepers. Uh, Oh, no, that's the one that I hate. The yeah, one that the, I hate to the be... Rhythm, oh, Mystic River, Mystic River, Mystic River. No, I'm having that. Because you know how much I hate that film. Because you're having that. You can't hate it and that gets you a point. No, Vicky hates it more, therefore Vicky gets the point. Unbelievable. Alex, you've won 3-2. Congratulations. Well played. That was really hard. Was it? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, uh, it's, it's, I tell you what, it's not the questions are not hard. What I found happens, I have a real blind spot for like names of things, but it's the pressure because Alex is so quick, and then it scrambles my brain because I feel like in life I should naturally beat him at something like this. <laughs> just it, that's just how I feel, and it first of all it annoys me that I don't, and then it makes me panic, and then I just can't Dude. land on anything. We are we 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 function better when we're on the, on the same team. Remember when we were that, in that yeah. when we were in that pub quiz? Remember that pub quiz? And oh, I, all, think, I think about the, it a lot. Smashed the, it. All the props I gave you when you got right answer after right answer, and I was like, "Vicky, you're incredible." That was a great day. <laughs> that was, was a really nice day. I think about that day sometimes. <laughs> uh, we still didn't win, but we did very very well. Yeah, we did. Was it? Which one of us actually went to the quiz host <laughs> and went? Are you sure we didn't win? That's, uh, yeah. It was you, wasn't it? <laughs> no, I thought it was you, Chris. Someone uh, did. Uh, right then. Uh, let's uh, before we get on to Thursday show. Let's look ahead to next week. Victoria, it's your choices next week. What are we doing? Or, or at least give us a clue. Um, I'll give you a clue. Are you ready? Yes, you are. Um, yeah. Justice. Shush. Justice <laughs> is giving the people what they want. 
<laughs> nice. <laughs> nice. Nice. Justice is giving the people what they want as your clue for next week. And we will be back on Thursday to talk about Dirty Dancing. Uh, in the meantime, if you haven't done already, please do subscribe to us. Uh, give us a rating and a review if you can on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. It is a massive help. And also check us out on Twitter and Instagram at ClashPod. Bye-bye. Until Thursday. This was a Stakhanov production and part of the ACAST Creative Network. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.